Good morning, truth. In John chapter 18, the story that is detailed there tells us that when Judas and the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, Jesus knowing everything that was imploding on him, he went out and he he met them and he said, who are you after? They said, Jesus, the Nazarene. And he said, that is me. The soldiers were totally taken aback. Judas, his betrayer, stood out like a sore thumb. Jesus asked again, who are you after? They answered, Jesus the Nazarene. I told you, said Jesus, that is me. I am the one. So if it's me you're after, let these others go. Just then, Simon Peter, who was carrying a sword, pulled it from his sheath and struck the chief priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. And Jesus ordered Peter, put back your sword. Do you think for a moment that I'm not going to drink this cup my father gave me? What Jesus was saying to Peter was, this has to play out like this because my destiny is the cross. And if you continue to study the scriptures, you will come to understand that it was on that cross that Jesus died for our sins. It was on that cross that our salvation was purchased. What I want to talk to you today about is Peter. When they came to arrest Jesus, approaching and treating him like a common criminal, Peter was offended. And he immediately wanted to come against those who boldly came against Jesus. In the last few weeks, I have heard so much false doctrine, words of blasphemy and bold exaltation of it has literally blown me away. But the scariest thing of all is that none of this has come from unbelievers or atheists, but These are things that are coming across the pulpits of churches. I heard one preacher proclaim that Jesus lived the majority of his life outside of the will of his heavenly father, trying to please his earthly father. This is not only a lie from the pits of hell, it is blatant blasphemy. Let me define for you what blasphemy is. It is an act or offense of speaking sacrilegiously about God or sacred things. And in case you didn't know, Jesus was holy. Jesus was God in flesh. Jesus was sacred. First and foremost, you can't find not one scripture where Jesus and Joseph, his earthly father, ever had one single conversation. But what is most offensive and sacrilegious is that such a comment conveys the message that someone can live the majority of their life outside of the will of God, outside of pleasing God, while trying to please someone else and still be considered holy. I want you to understand That God is not looking for perfection in us. What he is looking for in us is a sincere heart that is set on intentionally pleasing him. 
But what this message is conveying from the pulpit is an attitude that condones the comfortability of sin. Because certainly if Jesus spent the majority of his life outside of the will of his heavenly father, then there is obviously nothing wrong with us being comfortable in our sin. See, because outside of the will of God, you can fluff it up any way you want to fluff it up. It's sin. There's no gray area with God. Either you're with him or you're not. If you're out of his will, you're sinning. And it is blasphemous to denounce the word of God or present him as a liar. And that is what these words have uttered because God is God who is all righteous and Jesus was sinless. And in 1 John chapter 3, verses 6 through 8, you will find these words. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning since the beginning. I wanted to talk to you about Peter because of how he was offended when they came against Jesus. And yes, Peter later on went into self-preservation mode when Jesus told him to let them do what must be done. And they took him into custody. But at that moment, with Jesus by his side, he defended Christ. Where are our Peters today? Some of you may be asking, why is she talking about this this morning? What does all of this matter? How is this supposed to minister to me? What is this supposed to teach and tell me? Well, if you call yourself a child of God, then you are joint heirs with Christ. And you have been appointed by God to walk in dominion. Dominion has nothing to do with conquering things or possessing resources or reigning as a ruler. Godly dominion is about being able to shift the atmosphere. How many of you had a grandmother like mine? When she entered the room, she was able to shift the atmosphere. Everybody sat up just a little bit taller. If they were anyone that was using foul language, it ceased. With my grandmother, they hid any alcoholic beverages. Even their lingo changed because she walked with such a godly dominion. And that mantle of godliness that rests on her shifts the atmosphere. That is what dominion is about. Ruling without saying a word. Ruling without ever being proclaimed as a ruler. Godly dominion is about being able to be light in darkness. In John 1 and 5, the scriptures tell us that light shines in the darkness and that darkness has not overcome it. 
We have become so consumed with self that godly dominion is not any longer our focus. We think, well, I don't go to that church. But when you as a believer accept the accountability attached to the mandate of dominion that was given to each and every one of us, you also must accept that when darkness goes forth in the atmosphere, it's because the light that the children of God are supposed to possess has gone dim. There are unbelievers. Those who are on the fence don't know which way to go. Impressionable youth who will set the tone for generations to come. They're inhaling, hearing, and building foundations on darkness because those who profess to be light, those who profess to be children of God have allowed the voice of darkness to speak louder than the voice of light. They have allowed lies to go unchecked and allowed false doctrine to go forth without truth being proclaimed. Children of God, it is time for us to get in our word, to come to know it for ourselves. It is knowing the word of God that helps us to be able to sustain light The word of God is also our sword. And once we have sharpened our swords, we can be like Peter and come against those who come against God. In Galatians 1 and 8, Paul is referencing himself and the other ministers. And he says, but if we or even an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we have preached to you. Let them be under God's curse. The scripture goes on to ask us this. Are you trying to win the approval of man or God? See, God already knew that some of y'all would say, well, that's not my problem. That's not my business. I'm just trying to be neutral. I don't Are you trying to win the approval of man or God? The definitive conclusion is in the scripture. And it lets us know if you are trying to please people, you are not a servant of Christ. This morning, I want to urge everyone under the sound of my voice to make a commitment to begin to study the Word of God, to do like the Bible tells us, study to show thyself approved. Open up your Bibles in your homes and ask God to open up your heart and your minds to receive His Word. All charged by God to study His Word for ourselves, to be approved in His sight. Those who stand in our pulpits, are to confirm and bring clarity to what we have already studied. False prophets are plaguing our pulpits and deceiving the people because we do not seek the approval of God, which rests on our commitment to study. When Jesus rose from the dead, it was the religious leaders 
those who likely stood before the people the following Sunday, who told the guards to lie and denounce Jesus' resurrection and say that the disciples came and stole him during the night. Yes, the mantle of ministry is to teach the word of God untainted, but every minister is human in nature. And our trust must first and foremost be committed to the word of God. But in order for such a commitment to be exalted, we have to know the word of God. Only listening to the word of God through man is not pleasing to God. Again, I repeat, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. I can teach you the word. Many others can teach you the word. But if you seek the approval of God, that is going to require that you study. There is no shortcuts. Listening to sermons and going to Bible study is all wonderful. It provides clarity. You should be able to go to your ministers with questions and get answers because you have studied. There is no shortcuts to the kingdom of God. There is no shortcuts in the approval process of God. The word of God says study to show thyself approved. I am telling you this because if you are a child of God and not on Satan's team, then you are a threat to him and he's coming after you. And when he comes, if your sword isn't sharpened and if your light is dim, he will devour you. Remember, when you start your day with truth, blessings throughout the remainder of the day is inevitable. And when you commit your heart and your soul to the studying of the word of God, you lay a path for uncompromised joy. Be blessed. Bread of life sent down from glory Many things you were on earth a holy king, a carpenter, but you are the living word saved now. Come on.
Jesus, Jesus, that's what we call. 